because of my appreciation for technology, I'm so appreciative of the resources that we have because the Nancy Richardson Design Center is like a building I have not experienced before, mm -hmm. right? With the HTC Vive um, headsets and like the full integration room. And so, and just start the computer teaching lab that I teach in is amazing. Like this sounds silly, but the desk, the laptops come up, <laughs> you know, that they go yeah, down, yeah. like the computer desktops. Like it's just, we have so many amazing resources that I hope to really encourage the students to not take lightly because a lot of other schools don't have that facility, you know? So with access to technology, you can do more. Welcome to Health and Human Science Matters, a podcast by Colorado State University's College of Health and Human Sciences. I'm your co-host and digital media strategist, Avery Martin. And I'm Matt Hickey, Associate Dean for Research and Graduate Studies. In our college, we make it our mission to optimize human health and well-being through discovery and innovation. Don't just take our word for it. Each episode, we sit down with people who fulfill that mission, our college faculty and staff. And today, we're lucky enough to have a friend and colleague, Maria Delgado. Maria's in the Interior Architecture and Design Program, which is housed in the Department of Design and Merchandising. So Maria, welcome. Thank you. Thank you yes. for having me. Well, we're glad it worked out. We uh, are always keen to, to hear the stories from this really interesting and eclectic, diverse college. And so we're looking forward to the next hour or so where we get to know you a little bit better. We, we want to start with, with uh, your sense of sort of the big ideas that you pursue in terms of your scholarship. We want our, our listeners to hear. And as you and I both know, I, I, I'm a fan, right? So we've had an opportunity to talk about and look for ways to support the kind of work that you do. And in fact, just five minutes ago, we were talking more about ways in which your program can grow. And so tell our listeners what, what your research focus is all about. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for the question. Um, so I do a lot, my, my PhD focused on um, looking at residential housing specific to older adults. And so how can we make homes accessible um, through that lens? We have a large, you know, increasing shareholder population of Colorado older adults. And so one of the best things to be able to help support um, living autonomously is really how do we design a home to, to support that. So through that lens, we've I, you know, I'm looking at um, accessible housing and and then also trying to, whenever possible, integrate technology perspectives in it and being able to share that information. Now, is that technology on the build end of the spectrum or technology on the resident user end of the spectrum, the Alexas of the world? It's and, both. Okay. Yeah, yeah, great question. So um, really looking at, for example, this semester, my students are constructing a tiny house on wheels. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's through the Nancy Richardson Design Center. Um, it's the Idea for 50 capstone course. And really, we used technology in the beginning because we um, reached out to the Center for Healthy Aging to invite older adults to come and virtually experience the home. So we were able to 3D model. Um, first, we taught um, uh, all the users that we had 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 never used virtual reality before. So first, it was about like, what is the process of doing this and feeling really comfortable in it? Then our users were able to walk through the building and provide their perspective. And we were able to update the home. So it really, truly was user-centered design, um, which was really neat. And then we integrate technology throughout when we're talking about what types of products could we integrate in the home. So um, a lot of the concepts with accessibility are uh, tied to universal design. So thinking about how, how can we integrate products that help us to, again, just have the most control possible. So um, for example, um, Moen products, Moen faucet products, there are kind of like in the water ecosystem, if you will, where you can tell the faucet, I want 
half a cup of water. And so it's voice activated. So anytime we can integrate smart technology or just the consideration of what types of materials we're having, we're yeah. trying to be able to do that and just like share that information. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah. Uh, do you talk to your faucet? <laughs> not yet not yet not yet but Just maybe one day right. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's the thing like you you know some of these products are relatively affordable so i think it's about just having you the idea of like, oh, I could change something in my home and make it more comfortable for me to use. And so I think that's part of the conversation, just creating an awareness. And right. the more popular something gets, the more common and then the more sure. affordable it is. And and then, you know, with that piece, really, we're trying to share as much information as possible, which again, ties to your question of the technology. On the post end, what our intention is with this house is to take a 3D scan of it using our um, Matterport camera, which is a digital twin um, scanning camera. And so it'll take essentially 360 degree photos that stitches it together to build a scene that then people can virtually experience. And what's neat about the the 3D scan is that you can also augment it. Hmm. So you can integrate um, different information that then again points out um, that education. So for example, um, I could, talking about the faucet, I could break, link to a product specification or I could link to a video oh, that, wow, yeah. you know, shows the educational process of it or talks about the cost or mm -hmm. whatever it might be. But it really allows, uh, the virtual component really allows this information to be shared on a larger platform. Yeah, that is so cool. That's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, we tend to take many things for granted in the academy. I'm as guilty of that as anybody. So would you tell our listeners more about tiny homes? Yeah, absolutely. So I first kind of, my first experience with a tiny home was when I was at CU Denver getting my PhD. I was biking with a friend downtown and I biked past a tiny house village. And I was like, what is this? Like, it was so interesting to me. And um, what I learned about it, it's there were 120 square foot dwelling units, and it was it's a village in the sense that they're little independent dwelling units and then shared common spaces. Mm. And so this was called the Beloved Village Community, and it was Denver's first uh, tiny house village that was helping to transition individuals experiencing homelessness out of homelessness. Wow. And to me, I, I was intrigued not only by that mission, but also by like how this could be a really a tiny home could be a really good learning experience in the term of like size and scope for students. And so um, we had collaborated to see if we could build one of their next tiny house villages because they wanted to create a second one. But then COVID happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Of course. COVID, That's yeah. <laughs> so, but it was great because we actually kept that relationship. And, um, and then I graduated and got a job at CSU. And we were able, through the IDEA um, 450 course, able to explore tiny homes. And I think that tiny homes are really valuable right now because it's an alternative um, sure. option for living. And um, the really, I think, the important part is trying to create more awareness because not all of our land use code updates will allow for tiny homes. There's important considerations for jurisdiction and what municipalities, you know, what what are the restrictions or what are the obstacles that we need mm -hmm. to overcome in order to make tiny homes more accessible if that is something that the, um, you know, city is interested in. So I think that there are tiny homes might not be for everybody, sure. but there uh, could be really great for an individual that wants to uh, downsize maybe or just thinking about um, having 
even if you wanted to maintain, have your house and have your tiny home considered as an accessory dwelling unit and then have someone that's like a caretaker live in that smaller space or, or you know, if you just want to rent it out and have passive income or whatever it might be, everyone has a different reason. But I think that ha- considering tiny homes and kind of the legislation that is a part of it is really a timely topic right now. I'll say. Now, is there a generally accepted industry standard about no bigger than Square footage? Right. So no more than 400 square feet. Um, So And that can come in like different capacities. And really it depends, again, on your jurisdiction. But when we talk about the 400 square feet, we're really thinking about the trailer restriction. So for tiny homes on wheels, Mm -hmm. um, if you are – typically you'll see that most of them are eight feet wide because then you don't have to get a special permit. But – that and that was last, you know, the first house that we did was eight feet by ten feet, which was really tiny. <laughs> we added a loft, which helped. Um, but this second build that we're doing, we purchased a trailer that's um ten foot by twenty-four feet. And um that two feet doesn't sound like a lot, but it really allows for yeah, it's because we have to we're designing this home as if um we had a user that was within a wheelchair. And so oh. When you are looking at it through that lens, you have to think about, you know, your turning radius. And um, for your turning circle used to be five feet, but now it's increased to five feet, seven inches. And it's interesting because when we talk about ADA and accessibility, there are differences. ADA really is referencing public spaces. Um, But when we talk about accessibility, which is we use the codes of like ANSI 117.1, so Mm 117.1, we're really talking about like in a way, ADA, but for residential spaces. And so um, how can we maximize within the small space um, as much space to make it user-friendly? And so, again, there are different, for example, the the dwelling unit in Denver that was limited to 120 square feet. So there's differences in that sense, and there's so many different types of tiny homes. There could be permanent tiny homes as opposed to um, ones on trailers, but, um, but there's a lot of options. You know, which awesome. is great. Now, because we may have listeners who want to wander by during the auction period. Absolutely. <laughs> tell us a little bit about what's what's coming later this semester. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So um, one of the things that, you know, when we ran this first class, it was exciting and also a really fabulous learning experience. Sure. Um, so we ran the class Monday, Wednesday, and then got these, asked these students, like, can you volunteer on Saturdays? Can we call it our homework days, you know, and mm-hmm. all build together because this is such a collaborative process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for safety, safety is always our number one priority. So we need, the teachers need to be there on site. Um, but one of the things that we, one of the differences we did is this semester, we stacked the class time. So all of the labs are on Saturdays from nine to four. So we can really maximize having the students together. We have less times that we're setting up and tearing down. You know, everybody gets the training at the same time. So it's really more efficient. The intention is to auction off the home and, you know, have it uh, be a home that someone lives in. That's what we did for the last uh, tiny house. And it actually was purchased by two CSU alumni that are living just outside of Fort Collins. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the tiny home. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so one other thing I want to hear about is, is a little bit more about your SPUR proposal. So for yes. our listeners, again, the, the SPUR campus is a fantastic new addition to the, the CSU system. It's, it's a campus that's down in, in Metro Denver area near where the National Western Stock Show is. And it's been, uh, you know, ribbon cutting a series of yeah. fantastic buildings over the last year or so. And SPUR has been inviting proposals from, from Fort Collins campus faculty to, to do programming. Yeah. Down on the Spur campus. And 
Yes. What your proposal is intriguing to me. So I'd like you yeah. to share some more about that. I'd love to share it. Um, so, you know, one of uh, another lens kind of, I feel like I have a, a pocket of this tiny house. And then I also have a pocket of just always technology and the appreciation of architecture and mm-hmm. sharing architecture. And so, um, one, uh, I developed something called CSU's Architecture Virtual Library, um, and it's through it, you, it can be found through the Design and Merchandising website. And the intention of that page is really to educate um, uh, individuals, K through twelve, older adults, on architecture and architecture history. And it started, um, you know, through analyzing nine buildings on CSU's campus and has grown to different cities. We've worked with the Office of Engagement and Extension and have um, piloted our first off-campus city, which was Sterling, and then it grew to Central City. And I'm so excited to announce we'll run two new internships this coming summer and add Pueblo and Glenwood Springs to the oh, list. Wow, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Um, and so from that, one of the uh, kind of you know, I was intrigued about the Spur campus. I love architecture. Sure, and the sure. buildings were so neat to me. So uh, I went over summer last summer just to get a tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I kind of got inspired and the thought like, okay, how how could maybe we link CSU AVL to the buildings? And um, so one of the, the I submitted, a, as you mentioned, a, submitted a proposal to Spur. And the vision is that we expand and kind of utilize the AVL to help um, promote architecture across the state. So there's three main components. First, we want to scan SPUR. So actually use our 3D modeling technology to 3D scan the buildings and um, apply the same concepts that we do with the CSU AVL. So with the AVL, we scan the buildings. We do a lot of research about the buildings. Um, that actually helps us to identify which buildings we you know, have the most rich information that creates a really cool tour. And then um, we embed that information in the legend. So the legend includes different, for example, like floor plans are orange, um, materials are green, gray is published articles. So we want to transfer that information to the scans of SPUR. But because SPUR is a brand new building, we get an opportunity to work with industry and use their floor plans and learn all about what are the state of the art features. And what's neat about having a digital scan is that we can not only host that on the CSU AVL website, but we can give it to SPUR. And they can host it on their website. And it allows, it increases accessibility because not everybody across the state or in the world, right, can attend SPUR, but they can have that VR experience and feel as though that they're a part of it. And really with the information that we cultivate, that we curate in in the model, they can have a sense of what SPUR is all about. So that kind of is the augment SPUR. So first we scan SPUR, then we augment SPUR. And then the third goal is to really share SPUR. So the idea, you know, is that we would um, have a little Ram van that I want to um, kind of add a custom lift to that then we can have a laptop cart, which is similar to the laptop cart that the college has with some headsets, uh, some VR headsets, an Oculus and some Samsungs. And we can drive this little Spur van, which I'm open to names. (laughs) 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 They don't have names. Um, I'm just calling it Spur van, I think for now, but um, just drive the Spur van to intentional locations. Like, so really we want to start with schools, K through 12 schools and identify first, like what are schools that don't have the means to come to Spur? What are schools that don't have the access to this type of technology? And really create an experience for the students so that they are able to 
try something new. And, um, and the other component of this that we started last summer with the website, the CSU AVL, is that we are creating worksheets, essentially, if you will. So like um, a worksheet that's like a scavenger hunt that curates an experience for the student or crossword puzzles for elementary students that they can go through the VR model and find different buttons that answer the question. So really, it's about not just sharing, but having it be a very educational experience. Exactly. Yeah. And what I'd love to do is now start to tailor um, and bring in a lot more STEM education. So think about how can we use buildings to talk because the virtual reality has a really neat feature where you can measure Mm. distances. So really start to think about how can we add like math, you know, equations and how can we get students to start thinking about ergonomics and like furniture sizing and square footage of space and, you know, programming. And so I think there's a lot of potential there, and I'm so excited. So many (laughs) possibilities. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm so excited about it. So send me good vibes, fingers crossed. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. So we're thinking about the future and inspiring future generations, but let's rewind the clock a little bit. Let's look at young Maria, whether that's (laughs) elementary or even pre-K. What initially inspired you to pursue architecture and the arts and combining yeah, the two? What was a, the first nugget of inspiration? You know, that's a cool question. Um, I I did my K through 12 at Poudre School District, which I think is pretty fun. I did as well. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember having a conversation with my dad when I was in fourth grade and thinking like, I always liked to talking about sketching, the sketching sure. class. Mm-hmm. I always liked sketching. I always liked drawing. I thought, thought I was pretty I think in a way creative um, and I always appreciate different home designs and I don't know, you know, why that really spoke to me, but I was always interested in home design. And my dad one time in the car was like, well, you, that's what an architect does. An architect designs home. And I was like, oh, okay. I want to be an architect. That's what I'm going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I always wanted to get my master's in architecture. And so really I, what was neat about it is when I was a high school student um, in Colorado, you can, there wasn't a five-year accredited architecture program, but we had CU Denver, which um, was a master's in architecture. And I really wanted to stay at CSU for my undergrad because I, you know, was this is where my family was and I'm a homebody. So I met um, with an advisor in the master's program and she informed me that I could major in anything, you know, construction management, interior design, whatever it was, and then get my master's and just take, it would take an extra year but you could still, you know, achieve the master's. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I picked construction management because um, it transferred the most credits over. So I had 27 credits transfer over and it kind of was just like really a neat opportunity to be able to have that collaboration between mm-hmm. the yeah. two programs. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's it. just, you know, I, I don't know how it came about, but just an appreciation of architecture, I think, is what inspired me to to think about that, you know, that's and awesome. it's interesting, you know, how these little moments or experiences impact, yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. your outcome. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your undergrad being a, a CM major. Sure. It was awesome. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I loved construction management. It was interesting to me just because it was such a good foundation in terms of materials and how buildings are put together and just in a perspective of like, how do you put together a building? How do you project manage this process? How do you, you know, integrate estimating, be mindful of every penny and all these things. So the undergrad was a really great experience and I would redo it all over again. It was, it really set me, I think, 
with a strong foundation for an appreciation of just architecture and an understanding. We love our friends in CM. Yes. We do. Yes, Absolutely. we do. <laughs> so if I, if I may, t tell me a little bit more about your family. What do, what do your folks do? do, do you know, is your yeah. dad an architect and he Actually, wanted to... You know what? It's interesting. So my dad is... Um, a super scientist. He works mm. with USDA ARS and he's actually faculty affiliated with CSU. Cool. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I I'm think I'm going to go look him up. Yeah, yeah, right. Jorge Delgado. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, I think um you know, having I he had uh received his PhD and postdoc from LSU and I think that was you know, having that kind of as an example to me was probably impactful. Sure. Um, so, and then my my mom, ha, you know, she has just been such an, a foundational force, I think, with, uh, there's four kids in my family. Mm -hmm. That was my next question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think she was pretty awesome about like finding out, okay, this is what this one likes and this is what this one likes. And then just like letting that flourish, like mm -hmm. trying to provide support. And so I have a very uh, supportive family, I would say, which is really a neat experience. That's great. Now tell us about your siblings. Where, where do you fit in the... I'm third down. <laughs> so okay. me older too, brother. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have older brother, older sister, me, and then a younger sister. And, and what do they do? Well, so my older brother is a chemical engineer and he cool. is, um, you know, so fun because he actually, all of us graduated from CSU. Um, and so, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Love to hear that. yeah. And, um, so he studied chemical engineering and then went into drinking water. And it was so funny when he got his first job, he was like, had a little water test kit and was like, do you want me to test your water? <laughs> like, I'm okay. But, you know, I was thinking, gosh, I should loop him into Spur and the water sure. building. Right. Yeah. like, yep. And then um, my older sister, she studied pharmacy and is a pharmacist. Wow. And um, my younger sister studied mechanical engineering and she works with Schneider Electric. So, yeah, it's fun to, I think, have siblings and grow up with that and, yeah. you know, that mindset. So. Growing up in Fort Collins is not half bad. My, no. my daughter, Krista, and she went here as well yeah graphic design so oh, cool similarities yeah, as did this young yeah man. i did nice. indeed yeah it's interesting i always think like it was interesting to grow up in fort collins and experience like k through 12 and then go to college in fort collins right like that's like two different felt like two different worlds in a way but it's neat to see to have experienced both of that you know? yeah yeah i describe it as like unlocking another part of the yes, city yes that's a wonderful yeah. description you know i grew up going to csu as a student like mm. with so many as you probably did too yeah like with just field trips or with like activities and so i think it was neat to experience csu in a different capacity for like, sure and it's ironic now to be back as a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The first time I came back, I was like, wow, this is surreal. It's a neat experience. Yeah. So talk to us about mentors. This may be in CM. It may be in the DM. You know, we're always interested in influences. Yeah. So I, I see my profession in a particular way because of professor so-and-so. Yes. Et cetera. Mentors are amazing. And I've had quite a few throughout my life. Um, one in particular who... To continues to be just an avid mentor is Leo Darnell. Um, he works at CU Denver and was, I think through Leo's lens, um, he was not a teacher, but works as like the associate dean with academic student success. Mm. And so through that lens, he taught me so much about how a university system works, mm. because you're not really thinking that when I was a PhD student, I wasn't really understanding my school as a business or understanding my school as like a, you know, it, it, I was understanding school as school, you know, sure. this is where I go. And so it was really neat to have him kind of uh, 
introduced me to so many different types of like just information about the system and how the system works. And I think that was eye-opening in a lot of different ways and just has always provided a solid sense of guidance. And whenever I have like questions or thoughts, he's just such a solid individual to go to. And um, he continues to be an amazing mentor. And so I'm really grateful to have him in my life. That's blessings for sure. Yes. Yeah. So while you were in the PhD program, you presumably were beginning thoughts about, so, you know, where do I land next? I'd like to teach. I want to influence students in yes. similar ways to how I've been influenced. And, and given the narrative so far, CSU was clearly on your mind, right? Yeah. So, but, but the, you know, things on my mind or that I would hope to do don't always align, right? right. The stars often have to align. So talk to us about the transition from the PhD program back home. So talking about stars aligning, I do think it was kind of a meant to be. Um, So I had graduated from CU Denver with my PhD in design and planning, and I was hired by the chancellor's office to run to be faculty director for City Center, which Mm. was um, a unit at CU Denver that helps to create community connections, which really, I think, fit well because I'm I'm such a believer in having community projects and co-created projects. So it was really a great space for me to be in. And that was the first time that I had transitioned from being GPTI, which was graduate part-time instructor, to Mm. a lecturer. Mm. Um, And I, I feel like Throughout the PhD, I learned how to teach a little bit. Like, you know, like I learned, oh, this is the, how to put it together a syllabus. Oh, this is how you, you know, now, think were, about. Are you comfortable immediately in the classroom? You know, the, <laughs> I think it takes with anything. It takes sure, time. Sure. Yeah. I do think I love teaching. Like to me, I love teaching. Knowledge is power. Um, so I, yes, but I think learning the structure of like, oh, you know, how, this is how I have to, I always want to be professional and I always want to, so it's like you're learning those things sure. as you're um, teaching. And it, it's just really was a great experience to be able to study and then, you know, teach and have this really supportive network. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I transitioned from lecture, it was actually um, an individual in the PhD program that was like, hey, I know your family and you are from Fort Collins. Like, do you want to, I, I saw this job posting. I think you should apply. Oh, fantastic. And I was like, yeah. So I, on the last day, I was like, okay, I just applied. And, you know, it kind of was. And this was 20. 2018. Because I started working in 2019. And so it was funny because every time I would run, I ran into him in the elevator and was like, hey, I got a Zoom interview. And he's like, oh my gosh. And the next time I saw him, hey, I got invited to campus. Yeah, that's <laughs> so giving it, updates every time. Yeah, yeah. So it was really, truly meant to be. And I, I, um, I'm so grateful to have this job because throughout this job, I have learned a lot, right? I had never used virtual reality before this job. It's, I mean, the building that we're in has phenomenal resources and yes. it, so much support to be able to try new things and explore. And um, I, I'm, you know, just that alone, I'm grateful. And I think because, you know, the more I know, then the more I can share it with the students. And then it's just becomes a really fun experience. So you started in, in August of 2019. Yes. As did I in my oh, current role. Cool. The other role goes back 26 years. But a few weeks into your second semester, life got interesting in ways we could not have imagined. Wow. You, yeah. Take the words right out of my mouth. Because honestly, um, I think I didn't even complete a full year. And then exactly. we were yeah. teaching remote. And um, in a way, I try to always be positive and think silver lining 
you know, some of, from a teacher perspective, silver lining of COVID is like, I thought I knew Canvas, but <laughs> <laughs> after really the training, yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, like we learned so much now with Echo 360 and all this technology, like, you know, the digital, um, the remote in computer access, sure. all yeah. these things that have made us, I think, more um, efficient and be able to really maximize our time more and to be really clear with our students, with course content, all this information. So from that lens, it was interesting you know, be, I think it was empowering and great. Um, from a lens of like community, I think it was a little bit more difficult because, you know, I didn't realize this during the time, but once we started coming back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm now meeting people across campus, you know, like through these networking events. So I guess you just really appreciate being able to, you know, not be siloed, yeah. it, you know, and, and really be able to build connections and meet people and collaborate. So I think that is just something that I take away from COVID. So let, let's talk about that last observation about building connections and meeting people yes. and collaborating. Talk to us about sort of a, a day in the life of Maria Delgado. Sure. Right. You know, uh, students, maybe partners that you collaborate with on campus yes. or elsewhere. for that. Yes. Matter. Yeah. Well, so, you know, any type of kind of industry collaboration, I try to bring in through classroom connections. So um, try to bring in real clients to have the students design so that through that capacity that, you know, lens is really neat in terms of providing a unique kind of high impact experience for the students um, with the idea tiny house class we do a lot of collaboration with industry as well um, because we are seeking funds so we have our ram funder page which you know we tap into our student network and um, you know explain the project and we build a lot of connections just yesterday toll brothers donated a hundred dollars to the page and was like we'd love to can you connect us with the your you know industry people and we want to hire some stu csu students oh, for coming wow. to the cm yeah. career fair so it's like it's neat how something small can really Absolutely. build and expand. And through teachers, like through colleagues, um, I actually, this semester have, last semester started the Engaged Scholars Academy. Mm -hmm. And that has been awesome too, mm -hmm. because I've met some really neat people and we put together an idea and submitted a proposal and hopefully that gets funded. But it's like, it's fun to be able to, um, to, to build these relationships and kind of think, because really, you know, you can do so much, but when you work with more people, you can really do so much, you know, yeah, so it's, you can make more of a positive impact. So if you project next five years, things that you would like to see happen related to your activities yes. as a teacher, mentor, scholar, yes. et cetera. Well, I would love to continue to build um, the CSU AVL and provide more internships to students, because I think that these internships really give them an amazing experience to, to just to learn and you know them to they are pushed too. you know they are continuing to learn like new technology advances um so i'd love to expand it through that lens in terms of the student kind of research perspective um with my the csu avl the spur grant i could envision that going you know so to so many different schools i'd love to be able to grow that and have you know, on a big scale, like if we continue to get more money, right, for funds outside, external funds, like how can we maximize that and maybe get more vans, right, and have more people going um, or, you know, collaborating with Spur and having teaching them how to use the technology and how to multiply that. So yeah. just different different ways to, I think, expand would really be where my primary focus is. Now, 
bearing in mind that we are recording this for posterity. Oh, yes. <laughs> would you care to hazard a guess about how many miles the spur van no. has on it? Five years from <laughs> yeah, now? I know, I know. No county untouched. Yes. Right. You know, beyond cool. that, wouldn't it be cool if no school district untouched in the entire state yes. of Colorado, right? Yes, yes, that would be so on to that point, like that's why we want to be really strategic about like these trips. Like how can we maximize, maybe look at geographic, geographically, like try to, you know, consolidate so that we can reach as many different school districts. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. like so fun. Someday. Yes. yes. Looking forward yes. to it. Sure. <laughs> now I'm going to circle back to a little more about your family if I can, before yes. we, we jump back into yeah. academia. So of course we, we've talked about your parents and your siblings, but tell us about you, your, your family. So you talked yes. about commuting from Broomfield. Yes. So yes. So my husband and I, we bought our home in Broomfield pre COVID. Mm. So, at the time, we thought, this is amazing. You know, he works in Denver. He's a lawyer in Denver. Mm -hmm. And um, so he, since I have kind of the summers off, if you will, um, and he's commuting all the time, we thought, that's like, that seems fair. Like, you know, 25 minutes for him and then like 45 minutes for me if I'm, or an hour, you know. But um, but then COVID happened and now he's working like totally remote. Oh, wow. <laughs> basically like one day a week mm -hmm. and um and then so it's kind of been funny so we've been tossing around the idea of like could we move back to fort collins should we yeah. <laughs> you know but um it has but, enduring appeal doesn't it? yeah it yeah it does um so but right now yeah that's we we live in broomfield and it, it's it's been fun just to 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 you know get to know a new space sure, and get to sure. know yeah. a new community and i love our neighbors and it's really just a fun time so it does make me um more compassionate and sensitive to commuting you know i have to be more mindful and i definitely do encourage students like if you feel unsafe don't you know everything's recorded you can you know we have now different avenues again because post-covid like we we have different means to get to the same goal um but it you know it that's that's where we're at. <laughs> you know, we talk a lot about work-life balance. And so I, I always like hearing these stories, right, about, yeah. you know, life outside of campus and things that interest us. If you think about, you know, recreation, when I'm not thinking about tiny homes or work-related stuff, what, what do you like to do with your husband? That's one of the things that I so love about my husband, because I think I tend to sometimes work a lot. Like I love my work, so I think it's easy to work a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and he helps me to make time for fun stuff Good. like and when i say fun stuff like even just watch tv <laughs> you know right. like just relax like hang out like so that's so fun so we like we do we like to travel to the mountains he likes to ski i'm not very good at skiing but i like to go nice. <laughs> so, so you know we make great state for skiing yes yeah, goodness, yes, yes yeah so we make time to do like you know fun stuff during the winters and spend spend time with family and you know, just just hang out, relax. Great. And are you watching a lot of HGTV? Is uh, that actually, I do. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Joanna Gaines. I love. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah nice. of course. Yeah. Yeah, I always flip by Tiny House Nation. Oh yeah. And like, I always think, I know a tiny houser. Like, I know somebody that makes those. You <laughs> so, know what? I yeah. hope that they have a sixth season for that. Yeah. I've watched it before oh, nice. in the past. Yeah, and um, it's funny through a extension agent connection. Actually, mm -hmm. just uh, two weeks ago, I got an email. And then she's like, oh, my gosh, I just met one of the producers of Tiny House Nation. And we were like, oh, wow. oh isn't that fun? What, and what if something could materialize? I mean, that's you never know, like just with anything in life, you know, yeah. one connection leads to something else. And 
you know, full circle. Being open to opportunities. For yeah. sure. Right? A nice posture to have. Yes. Yes. Sure. yes. If there's yes. a producer listening, yeah. an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Do a season of Fort Collins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so back to the professional domain. I've got two questions sure. related to this, this sort of layered environment we find ourselves in here at CSU. Talk to us about what you appreciate the most about being a faculty member in the College of Health and Human Sciences. Okay. I feel like there's two things that come immediately to mind. Number one, my students, uh-huh. you know, because it's like, that's why I'm here. So I, I certainly from that lens, I appreciate them because through them, I learn more. Through them, I'm challenged to, to you know, learn more and share yeah. more. And so um, it, that, I mean, they're just amazing. So the students. And I think also, too, just because of my appreciation for, appreciation for technology, I'm so appreciative of the resources that we have because the Nancy Richardson Design Center is like a building I have not experienced before, mm-hmm. right? With the HTC Vive um, headsets and like the full integration room. And so, and just our, the computer teaching lab that I teach in is amazing. Like the, the this sounds silly, but the desk, the laptops come up, <laughs> you know, that they go yeah, down, yeah. like the computer desktops. Like it's just, we have so many amazing resources that I hope to really encourage the students to not take lightly because a lot of other schools don't have that facility, you know? So, um, it really is it, with a lot of technology, you can, with access to technology, you can do more. Here, here. Yeah. Also, yeah. We all find ourselves working at this wonderful institution called Colorado state university, right? And we lead with our land grant mission and yes. rightly so, and have, you know, as long as I've been here and that's one of many things that appeals to me that we, it's not just lip service. We yeah. take that land yeah. grant mission seriously. So tell us what, what the land grant mission means to you. Yes. To me, I think it's so much about access, hmm. you know, providing access across the state of Colorado. So using, doing whatever I can to share knowledge, to share information, to make an impact, to excite people about CSU or excite people about maybe coming to CSU or, or not, you know, like just learning about, sure. you know, so yeah. really, I think increasing awareness, increasing access that, you know, that to me is like the kind of the some of the rooted elements of the land grant mission. And I'm so grateful for the office of engagement and extension that allows me to build those connections and make those bridges because, um, that is, is so unique. So many universities don't have the structure or model and through them, it's like such an outreach. So I, I, I really appreciate that, that perspective and that, that kind of setup from the land grant institution. Well, Maria, this has been so much fun. We've been looking forward to this and we're glad it fit into your schedule. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming and spending some time with us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. We'll be looking forward to good news from our friends at Spur. Nice. (laughs) Keep me posted. (laughs) Will do. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Another great interview is in the books. Thank you for listening to this episode of Health and Human Science Matters. Stay tuned for the next episode. It's on the way. In the meantime, go listen to our episodes from seasons one, two, and three. And if you want to learn more about our CSU College of Health and Human Sciences, go to www.chhs.colostate.edu.